0: I am so happy. I just checked with our staff before service to make sure I just had the numbers correct. They informed me that every week now there are over 16,000 people who view and be a part of our worship service either through our own internet ministry or through social media. And God says something to me. God says you are concerned about how are you going to ever replace 4,000 people in an audience. And I've given you over 16,000. Somebody say, but God. In fact, somebody ought to send a message and says, but God. And then God reminded me, this is so important. God reminded me, Elder Willamay Jackson, that this was never about Bible way. This was never about you. And God says, from this point on in your ministry and in this ministry, don't focus on those numbers. Because God's in charge of all of that. And if one person is reached, then it's worth it. And we've received letters from people that are incarcerated, says our broadcast has turned their lives around. And this service from people throughout the world has made a difference in their life. And we say to God, be the glory. So to our worship team, thank you all so much. our Praise and worship team to Our band, thank you all to our media ministry. Thank you to the wonderful uh, members and friends of the Bible Way Church family of Atlas Road that's out there. That continue to support this ministry with your finances. Thank you and with your prayers and with your support. Thank you because God gets the glory. Perhaps our testimony is similar to what Joseph's testimony was. At the end, Joseph had been through the pit and the dungeon. His brothers kneeled down before him, and Joseph says, don't worry about it. For what you meant for evil, God meant it for my good. And so perhaps God has taken a pandemic uh, to show us how awesome and how great and how far-reaching God is. I'll leave you with this before we get into the word. Um, The late Mother Rosa Anderson. We had our homegoing service here a couple weeks ago, the wife of my dear brother, Pastor Alvin Anderson. I could never understand this. I used to always hear Mother Rosa says, God says this ministry, talking about their ministry in St. Matthews is worldwide. And we would go down there and quite honestly, some of the folk who didn't understand the significance of that would kind of chuckle and say worldwide in the small town, small building, handful of people, But she knew what she was talking about. She knew that a ministry is not relegated just to the walls of a building. That if you touch somebody and they touch somebody and they touch somebody and they touch somebody, it spreads worldwide. So thank you for making ministry, not Bible way, but making ministry worldwide, wherever you are, whatever church, it doesn't matter. Thank you. For all that you are doing to God, be the glory. And then today is 16 days before the election, 16 days before what some people have called perhaps the most important election in our lifetime. We've instituted a program here called High Five, and it simply says find five people and make sure that they vote. You've embraced us you've adopted this I've had the opportunity to share it with other pastors and other ministries they've adopted it and I am so glad that God gets the glory it is important now you can vote early you don't need an excuse you can just go and you can go to a polling place or a remote place right now and vote in person absentee early many have in fact we have been told that over 20 million people across the country have already voted. I'm so encouraged that every morning when I leave my house and go down Gunners Ferry Road, I see lines outside. When I pass by the Masonic Temple, lines outside. The other day I was going in the Northeast, I saw lines outside. It's important, I don't care what it takes, standing that line as long as it takes. And if you can vote early, Go and vote early. You never know what may happen on November the 3rd. Get it in the bank right now. Amen. Uh, I plan to go next week for the first time in my adult life. I am going to vote before election day uh, because I want to make sure that that vote gets in and it gets in early. Thank you so much. Call a neighbor and a friend and remind them to come vote. Come with you. Go to their own Polling place and let us cast that vote. God gets the glory. I'm so grateful that God is doing what God is doing, and nobody but God can do what He has done and what He will do. There's a word from the Lord this morning as we continue this series of messages that God has given us. The series is entitled Seeing Others. As God sees them. At the beginning of this year of 2020, we as a church family adopted as our theme for 2020 perfect vision. 2020 perfect vision. And in that, we said that perfect vision was seeing as God sees. The first series of messages in the year 2020, we preached on seeing ourselves. As God sees us in this series, we are talking about seeing others as God sees them. This is the seventh message in this series, this 12 message series. This is sermon number seven. It is found in the gospel that was recorded by St. John chapter four, verses 27 to verse 30 reading from the New Living Translation. Hear the reading of God's word starting in the 27th verse of the fourth chapter of the gospel recorded by St. John. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman, verse 28 says, left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be The Messiah, verse 30, so the people came uh, streaming from the village to see him, to see Jesus. So the people came streaming, running from the village to see Jesus. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his holy Word. One of the unique things about Jesus' earthly experience was his way that he interacted with others. One of the most impressive things about Jesus and how he interacted with others is not the how, but who. It's his willingness to interact with others. Anyone, regardless of who they were, what they may have done, or what they were going through. Hear this again Jesus' willingness to interact with anyone, regardless of who they were, what they may have done, or what they were going through. Listen, Jesus. Dined, had dinner with a despised tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Jesus touched a man with leprosy, a contagious disease. He later had dinner at Simon the leper's house, another leper's. He had a private meeting with a controversial religious leader at night <laughs> by the name of Nicodemus he did not have to do any of those things but jesus did that because that is who he was listen my brothers and sisters it is clear hmm, that jesus saw the value and the necessity of interacting with those, and please don't miss this. I wanna take my time and say this again. He saw the value and the necessity of interacting with those who did not necessarily share his beliefs or his religious views or with those who perhaps had no particular religious beliefs at all. Did you catch that? Jesus saw the value of interacting and having a conversation with those who did not believe like he believed or with those who had no beliefs at all. You remember the example when the man says, but help my unbelief. Jesus interacted with everyone. That is a problem that exists in our society today, particularly among those who are professed people of faith. We have limited ourselves. We've isolated ourselves. We have compartmentalized ourselves in areas where we only associate with folk who think like us, folk who believe like us. And even within the Christian faith, it's bad enough that Christians don't want to communicate with anyone who's not a Christian or anyone who believes something differently. But think about this, even within the Protestant Christian faith, there are so many denominations and so many break-offs from denominations. And even within our own faith, Pastor Lawson, there are people that don't want to associate with other people because they are of a different denomination. I am convinced, I said this this morning at eight and i said say it again at risk of alienating someone, but please take it in the spirit in which I'm sharing it. I am convinced that one of the worst things that ever happened to the Christian faith is how we've segregated ourselves by denomination. It has caused nothing but divisions and and distrust and splendor groups. The original Day of Pentecost church was not concerned about a denomination. They were concerned about winning souls, those original 120 people. The Bible says this, they were in one place on, here's the key word, on one accord. We've allowed the enemy, and I am convinced, I am convinced that it is a tool and a weapon of the enemy. That has come in and separate us and broke us off. And even within denominations, you've got certain groups of Baptists and certain groups of Methodists and certain groups of Pentecostals. And the Pentecostals don't associate with the apostolics and the apostolics don't associate with other people. That's foolishness. And it is not of God. God. That is not the will of God on how we should conduct ourselves. The Bible said, let your light so shine among, on earth among men so that they may see your good works. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus saw the value. Jesus saw the necessity of interacting and sharing with people. Wouldn't it be wonderful for a period of time that after COVID and after the pandemic that when we went back to church that we would drop all denominational references (laughs) wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody would be our brothers and sisters no matter how they worship we talked about that last week or where they worship Jesus understood that this is important now Perhaps one of the greatest examples of this attitude, of this mindset of Jesus is on display in our text chosen for today's message. Let us examine this text. Let us examine this most incredible gospel narrative and the lessons we should take away from this text today. Our text occurs, and this is important in understanding the significance of it, in a place called Samaria. Samaria was a place where many Jews went out of their way to avoid because the Samaritans lived there. They call them the half-breeze. It's an Old Testament historical narrative uh, that you would have to understand. So uh, the Jews who despised the Samaritans and they all came from the same lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they went out of their way to avoid the Samaritans. If they had to take a journey, they would take the long way around just not to ever have to go through any town, any village in Samaria. Uh, But Jesus was different. (laughs) Jesus understood something that they did not understand. And so Jesus one day, while at a well in a Samaritan village, Jesus met and engaged in a conversation (laughs) with a very interesting Samaritan woman. Now, most good relationships began with good conversation. Amen. Great conversations can lead to great relationships. Jesus entered into a conversation with this most interesting Samaritan woman, someone who was not well thought of in her day among her peers and among other community members. Someone who, in fact, was despised by others, looked down by others. Listen to how Dr. J. Vernon McGee, noted historian, the author of Through the Bible, describes this woman. He says, and I quote, this woman is obviously a dissolute woman. Dr. McGee goes on to say she's rude and immoral and these are her words, not mine. Listen, we would call her today a hussy. If you please, you got to live long enough to know what that means, okay? But he he wrote this some years ago. He says people in his day would call this woman a hussy. She was considered to have been a woman of ill repute. She was a woman who had. Five times. And the man she was currently living with was married to someone else. This is this Samaritan woman. She had very few, if any, friends. Who would want to be her friend? The women didn't want to be her friend because they thought she would take their husband. The men didn't want to be her friend because they knew their wives would get mad if she saw them and they saw them talking to this woman. She was despised. She was looked down upon. Yes, she had some faults. Yes, she had done some things that perhaps she should not have done. Did she have a horrible past? Perhaps the answer is yes. Did she do some things that were embarrassing? Yes, all of those things are true. However, here's the key. None of this really mattered to Jesus. Good God almighty. Can I say that again? None of this really mattered to Jesus. Can I talk to some holier than thou folk, sanctimonious folk who just think that you're too good to associate with some people? None of this really mattered to Jesus as we witness in his encounter with this woman in our text. Jesus knew of her reputation, Jesus knew what others thought about her, but none of this mattered to Jesus because Jesus saw something that others refused or never wanted to see in this woman. Listen. For the next few moments, there are three key and important insights from Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman that we would like to discuss and make it relevant to our lives today. Three key, significant insights. Insight number one is this. Jesus went to that particular town, Samaria in that particular village, Sychar, the text says, at that particular well on purpose. (laughs) Don't miss this. And I want to leave it right there on the board for you to see it. Jesus went there at that time, in that village, at that well on purpose. He went there to have a conversation with one woman. If Jesus wanted to have a conversation with many of the women of the village, he would have gone past the mat early that morning because that was the time. The popular time when women from the village would come to draw their water for their household duties and to communicate with other women and people from the village. The well, I get this, that's why it's used in the subject. The well was a common meeting place. It was popular, it was well known, and it was a place that everyone at some point would have to go because there weren't any running waters for common folk of that day. Most folk didn't live like the Roman elite and had uh, their own little water system. These were common folk who got their water by going and dipping in the well and drawing water and it was uh, expected to go before the Sun would come out early in the morning when other people were around there and Susie see Betty and Bezzy see Patsy and Patsy uh, see Lane and everybody else sees everybody else and while you're drawing your water you'll say well how's your son doing? How's your daughter doing? How's your husband doing? How's the family doing? I hope your mother is feeling better. I hope your daddy is recovering from his accident. The well was a gathering place. People went to get alone and to talk and to draw their water. And you go early and nobody goes at noon. Uh, The only people that went at noon are the people who were just desperate for an immediate drink right there. You didn't go there at noon to get water from your household except this one woman. (laughs) This one woman knew that I can't go in the mornings. They don't want to see me. They don't want anything to do with me. I don't want the eyes to be rolled at me again. I, I don't want to be ostracized again. So I'll wait until nobody is there and I'll go and get my water and take it back home. But that day, whew, there was a man from Galilee By the name of Jesus, who showed up, somebody shout, on purpose. Everything that happens in your life is on purpose. Uh, You didn't stumble across where you are. It was on purpose. Uh, You didn't just happen to be where you are and what you're going through. You didn't happen to just have that job. If God has blessed you, it was on purpose. Jesus went there. On purpose in fact the text tells us in John chapter 4 the New Living Translation puts it this way he had to go through Samaria the King James puts it this way he needed to go through Samaria listen to this he had to go through he need why did Jesus have to go there why did Jesus Need to go. He didn't need to go there just so he can get something to drink. He needed to go there for a reason. Jesus had a purpose in mind. This day, I'm going to meet somebody who needs to have a conversation with me. So, the first key insight in this text is that Jesus went to that town and that village at that well on purpose. For us to remember today that everything that happens in our life on purpose i am convinced that we've been in a seven month virtual experience in 2020 on purpose somebody said, wait a minute pastor jackson what are you saying that god sent the virus i'm saying god knew from the beginning of time that in 2020 sometime starting march that everything was going to shut down and god knew that i'm doing something on purpose it happened on purpose. Here's the second key observation in this text. Jesus saw beyond this woman's thoughts. He saw beyond her failures. Jesus saw beyond her five failed marriages. Jesus saw beyond her adulterous current relationship. Uh, Jesus saw a woman that was hurting. (laughs) Mm. Jesus saw a woman that just needed to talk to someone. (laughs) Jesus didn't see a woman uh with a whole lot of failed relationships and Jesus just didn't see a fast loose uh woman but Jesus saw somebody that had been hurt so many times can you imagine the experiences of those five failed marriages could you imagine what she had went through could you imagine her thinking with this one has to work number three got to be better than number one and number two, and that's fair. Well, number four has to be better than marriage number one, two, and three. That's fair. Well, number five. Five is the key number. That has to be the key, and when she got after five, perhaps she said, that's it, I'm just living with somebody. I've tried marriage five times and it didn't work, so I'm just gonna live with somebody. I'm gonna go get somebody else's husband. And see if that works. All of those things were issues in her life. But here's the key. Jesus came to bless her, not to judge her. Somebody ought to catch it. (laughs) Somebody ought to catch it. Jesus showed up at that well in that town, at that time of the day, not to judge her. Our problem is that before we can help people we like to judge people and we're quick to judge people but Jesus did not come to judge in fact notice verse 10 of the text the New Living Translation Jesus replied in verse 10 if you only knew the gift God has for you stop right there before we go any further He didn't say, if you only knew what God could possibly do for you. He says, God's already got a gift with your name on it. Woman, if you only knew the gift God has for you. When was the last time this woman ever had anybody give her anything? Most people took from her and used her. But here is Jesus saying, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and if you knew who you were speaking to, you will ask me for something that's greater than H2O. You will ask me for living water. Uh, I'll give you something that is more refreshing than natural water. Uh, Lady, I came here to bless you. I didn't come to judge you. In fact, when Jesus said to her, go get your husband, Jesus didn't ask her, why have you been married so many times? Jesus didn't say, please explain to me before we go any further. uh, What are you all about? Jesus just said, woman, I came here to be a blessing to you. He didn't come to pass judgment, but he came to be a blessing How many of you are so glad that God came to be a blessing to you? Take a moment right now. Just take a 30-second praise break. And if you know that through all the things you've been through, God still bless you. Somebody help me praise God. You didn't have to do it, but you did. You could have written me off after all the things I've been through. Lord, you still bless me. Lord, you still bless me. Still bless me. Ooh. And key insight number three. Ooh. Uh, uh. Number one is that he came on purpose. Number two is that he looked beyond her faults and her failures. <laughs> Somebody ought to thank God for looking beyond your faults just to see your needs. And here's the third and the final insight. Jesus' conversation with this woman changed her life. It transformed her life. Just a little talk with Jesus changed her life. How many are so glad that he changed your life? That he transformed Your life. This woman in one afternoon, thank you, Holy Spirit. This woman in one afternoon, perhaps on a hot, sunny day at a public well, in a conversation with a Jewish man, (laughs) she knew this was different. (laughs) She knew there's something about this man that's different. He knows everything about me but yet he didn't judge me (laughs) he knows all of my mistakes (laughs) but yet he still had a conversation with me he was still willing to interact with me this woman in one afternoon went from being a scorned woman of ill repute Went from being, as Dr. J. Vernon McGee calls her, a hussy. She went from being despised by everybody in the village to now she became a powerful witness of the Jesus that we know of today. Listen to what she said in verse 28. She says, the woman left her water jar. She, she forgot about the water pot. I don't need this anymore. And she ran into the city telling everyone about Jesus. This woman in one afternoon went from being, quote, the hussy, went from being the woman that nobody liked to being an evangelist of the goodness of our Lord, <laughs> She ran into the city. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, One of of the biblical scholars pointed this out. It, something in her had to change to run into a place that she had avoided. All of her life she had avoided going into that city, into that town, interacting with all of those harsh, cruel people. But when Jesus changes your life, whoo, When Jesus makes a difference in your life, uh, you don't care about what you used to be because you know I'm different now. And she didn't care if they talked about her or not. All she knew is I got to tell somebody. Got to share with somebody what the Lord had done for me. Look at the text. Read with me beginning at verse uh, 28. Uh, She went, dropped a water bottle, and said come see a man but look at verse 39 drop down to verse 39 and here's what makes her so powerful here's why I call this an incredible gospel narrative here is why the late Dr. Larkin like you know well who I love dearly who taught me at CIU when we were studying this text he closed the book and stood up and i never forget this, Dr. Larkin, tears streaming down his eyes. He said, this is why I love Jesus. Because only Jesus would take a woman that nobody wanted anything to do with and use her to bless everybody who hated her. <laughs> Don't miss this. I wish y'all were here to praise God with me. Ah, take a moment. Come on. Only Jesus would use somebody that they all hated just to bless them. Somebody say, but God, but God, look at the text. Look at verse 39 as we wrap this message up. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did they all believed. look at verse 40 it goes on to say this in verse number 40 of the text many of them believed in Jesus because he told them everything she had did verse 40 of the text goes on to say this Um, when they came to see him they begged Jesus (laughs) Uh, they begged Jesus to stay with them. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When they came to see him, they begged Jesus to stay there in their village. Can I help you understand something? These are people who had nothing to do with each other. Put that on the New Living Translation. They begged Jesus uh, to stay here in this village. So Jesus whoo, That's why I wanted you to see this translation. So Jesus stayed with the Samaritans for two days. Jews wouldn't even walk through their town, Lawson, but Jesus stayed there two days. Jews wouldn't even talk to them, but Jesus stayed there two days. Verse 41 says this, long enough for many more To hear his message and believe. And then verse 42. Then the people said to the woman, stop right there. Wait a minute. You never even talked to her before. But now the people are talking to her. People are talking to the woman that they didn't even want to acknowledge she exists. But God... Then the people said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And all of this, a whole town got saved. Because Jesus had one conversation With one woman At the well (laughs) Now we know Woman Thank you I hope somewhere in their words They threw the words we're sorry I hope Somewhere in their conversation They said to the woman We apologize for treating you So badly But even if they didn't God had already changed her life somebody ought to help me praise God somebody ought to take a moment to lift your hands and to praise God somebody ought to say Lord I thank you I thank you for meeting me where I was I was hurting I was hurting I was lonely but you met me right there listen Ah, right there Lord, somebody take a moment to praise God, take 10 seconds uh, to throw those hands up, if you're listening by way of radio, throw those hands up, by way of internet, throw those hands up, Lord I thank you, Lord I thank you, you didn't have to do it, you didn't have to do it, but you did. You came to talk to me. You saved me, Lord. You picked me up and turned me around. Ooh. Ooh. Listen. So here it is. As, as Bill come, and we prepare for the altar. Here's the last point. As we prepare to conclude the this message God has asked me to say this to you let us all remember that like the Samaritan woman at the well the Lord desires to have a up-close and personal relationship with each of us (laughs) that is the gospel God desires to have an up-close and personal relationship with each of us. Regardless of who we are, what we may have gone through. God wants to have a conversation with you. The question, my brothers and sisters, is this. Do we desire to have a relationship with God? And if the answer is yes, he's waiting to hear from you. Just say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm by myself, but that's all right. I just need you and I to connect. And if my family doesn't love me anymore, I thank you for your uh, unspeakable love. And if I've lost my job and don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, I thank you for being God our provider. And if I'm in the midst of a crisis in my life and don't know how I'm going to get out of it, I thank you for being a way maker. And if my heart has been broken and I've lost a loved one, Or my heart has been broken because someone ripped it apart. Lord, I thank you for being a heart fixer. Yes, I thank you. Listen, there's a wonderful, iconic Christian hymn that is simply entitled, I Come to the Garden Alone told the church this morning, this was my daddy's favorite song. And I understand now why he loved this so much for my daddy attended the Second Union Baptist Church in Taylor's, uh, the historic Second Union Baptist Church. I went there and I loved that place and it left such an impression on my life. But they would sing hymns. Sometimes the church has gotten away from the old songs of the church. One of the songs my dad says that, that that really drew him when he gave his life back to the Lord. Having been on drugs, having ran away from home at 16 to go work on the racetrack, having broken his mother's heart, who he came to the train station to beg him not to leave, but yet he left. And when he returned home, She had gone on to be with the Lord. He said this song ministered to him so often. And it is so appropriate for the altar experience from this message today. The song says, and I quote, I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear. (laughs) This is the part dad said he really liked and he would tell me this. He says the son of God discloses and uh, mm, thank you Lord. He walks with me (laughs) and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy (laughs) we share as we tarry there none other has ever known he speaks and the sound he gave me within my heart is ringing (laughs) Ooh, God does that. He speaks and the birds even began to sing. It. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his arm." Right now, wherever you are, the Lord says, I'll meet you at that well. I'm willing and ready to have a conversation with you about your life right now. Brother Bill Lloyd is leading us into this awesome worship song right now. Pick up the phone and call this number right now that's on the screen. Listen.
1: I come Ah. to the garden alone.
0: Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Yeah. Ah, that's special to me, right He's now. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. The Rose. Ah, yeah. Mm. And the voice ball-
0: The
1: birds Uh, hush their singing uh, and the melody uh, that he gave gave, to me uh, within my heart is real. God is calling somebody right now. Singing at Union Baptist. And he walks with me and he talks. Come on, lift those hands. And he
0: get emotional when I hear that song because I think about just my own relationship with my dad and perhaps what he had to have been going through to sing that. You know? That although he you know, did not have the best reputation perhaps while he was on that racetrack did some things that he wished he had not But through it all, God met him at that well. God said to him that I came to bless you, AC. I didn't come to judge you. I came to use you. And I came to use you to send you back to that same town, to those same people, and to introduce them to something special in their lives. And in 1963, he and 12 others from that same area started this ministry bill, including your mom and your dad and other aunts and uncles all from Arthur Town, Taylor's, Little Camden, started this simply because the Lord had a conversation with somebody and said, now go tell them what the Lord can do. I say that in humble submission. And God reminds me of that no matter how large we think we are or how great we think we are. And here we are on the verge of, of paying down a huge mortgage. Here we are sitting on a campus with over 120 acres. Who would have thought And please take this in the spirit in which I'm sharing it. I'm sharing this so you know what God can do. And here we are on a campus with multiple buildings, three worship centers, a family life center, C.R. Neal Dream Center, 40,000 square feet on 10 acres of land, a residential, private residential community called Congaree Point. (laughs) Women's Center, Ruth House for Teenage Pregnant Mothers. (laughs) And it all began (laughs) because God had a conversation with somebody at a well (laughs) that perhaps others did not think he was worthy. And if God can do it, then God can do it with you. God can take you where you are. And the key in this is that he did not come to judge her, but he came to bless her. Pick up the phone right now and maybe you've been through something. And God says, I want to bless you. These next two messages in this series, today's message and next Sunday's message, in which we talk about Mary Magdalene, out of whom he delivered, he delivered seven demons out of her life. Don't tell me what God can't do. I'm so glad that God doesn't see us as others sees us. I'm glad that when others saw all of our issues and all of our problems and all of our struggles, God saw someone who he could use to bless someone else call that number because some of you others have given up on. Perhaps you've given up on yourself. Perhaps you sit there and say, Pastor Jackson, I have no church. I have no family. Yes, you do. We want to be your family. We want to be your church. Call that number right now. Right now. And he walks <laughs> and he
1: and
0: hands wherever you are. And so here we are, Lord. We are so grateful that you see us not according to our issues or according to our faults or failures, but you see us as someone that deserves to be blessed. Thank you, Lord, for having a conversation with each one of us. Woo. I thank you for like this woman at the well of Samaria that you had that conversation with my father. And because you took the time to uh, have that conversation with him, many others today have been blessed. I stand here today in his footsteps simply because you didn't give up on him. And I say thank you. God, I pray for young men out there who perhaps feel that my family has been torn apart. I pray for young women out there who perhaps feel that no one cares about me. Help them to call that number, Lord. Wherever they are, whatever they're going through, you can use it, man, to be a mighty blessing to the kingdom of God. And we say thank you. We thank you in advance. For transformation. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Wherever you are right now, lift those hands and join in with us. Call that number right now. Listen, listen. Thank you so much for being a part of this worship service. I want to take this moment to say a very special thank you for all of your gifts, for all that you've done. You've heard us talk about what God has been able to do through this ministry. It has been since 2000 that God told us to reinvest in this community. And we have invested over $17 million in houses and buildings and in family life centers, and in centers for abused women, teenage pregnancy homes, a place where after school tutoring can go on free of charge for some that are members of our community. It is because of your generosity. And to my Bible Way Church family, I love you so much, amen. I am so honored to have the privilege to lead this ministry because you have followed by faith. Every time God has given me a vision, you've been right there. It wasn't easy five years ago to ask you for 500 extra dollars beyond your tithe and your offerings, but you trust in the leadership God has placed over this ministry, and I say thank you. On uh, November the 8th, we're going to burn the mortgage. And here's what God has told us. We have a time capsule that we will have. And inside that time capsule we're going to print the names of every individual who's given anything over the last five years, Pastor Lawson, towards this faith offering. Even some of our brothers and sisters who are no longer here. Uh, Elder Frank English's name is going to go there. <laughs> Deacon Johnny Thomas's name is going to go in there. Uh, Sister Phyllis Williams and others. And we're going to bury that time capsule. And here's the purpose of the time capsule. We've asked them to open it up some years later. Future generations, Bill. Deacon Marlon Walters, future generations when we are not here. And when those of that generation look at that time capsule, And ask the question, how did we get over? These are the rocks of Jordan. These are the women who gave all they had. These are the men who sacrificed to make sure that ministry goes forth. These are the people, no millionaires, no super rich people, no one person wrote a check and paid off the debt. But these are the people who even years ago sold dinners. These are the people who made tremendous sacrifices to get to where we are today. And I want the next generation and the next generation to know whose shoulders they will stand on. So be a part. And it doesn't matter what you give. If you don't have the 500 you give $5 or $0.05. Cents. I've told the staff, as, as difficult as it would be, I want every name of anyone who's given anything towards this faith offering to be put in that capsule. And I hope one day that my great, great grandkids will be able to look at that and say, that's my great, great granddad. And they'll see a name of a Janie R. Jackson I say, that's my great, 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 grandmother. and They'll see your names. They would say thank God for those who walk by faith. Come on you can call, you can give do it right now. Be a part of what God is doing. We purposely are not going to reveal the names this year or next year because if you're giving to hear your name called in 2020 then I would tell you you, you would be disappointed. But if you want some other generation to know that you trust God by faith, then join us. You don't even have to be a member. You can just send a faith offering and you will be a part of it. Thank you so very much. Join us on Tuesday night as we continue the series of Words to Live By. Come on, our praise team as we take it out right now. Come on. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now, today, and forevermore. God bless their families. God bless their houses. We declare on this day, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.
2: Thank everyone again for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount. To 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org. High 5 is a faith-based, nonpartisan voter participation project. Our mission is to conduct nonpartisan voter mobilization and participation among registered voters to maximize voter turnout. We want to encourage all registered voters to each find five people who are already registered to vote. Make sure that they receive and turn in their absentee ballot participate in early voting, or get to the polls to cast their vote for November 3rd, 2020. In July 2016, during her stunning convention speech, Michelle Obama coined a phrase that continues to resonate with so many Americans. When they
1: go low, we go high.
2: As we move closer to November 3rd, we want to ensure that we increase voter turnout. There is no need for constant rhetoric, trickery, or mudslinging. This is a simple pledge campaign based on taking the high road and getting the work done. What work? The work of maximizing voter turnout. High Five is an effort to go high by emphasizing the simplicity of helping each other and creating a level of accountability among voters. Let's review. Find five people. Make sure that all five vote by assisting them in securing and turning in their absentee ballot to help them to participate in early voting options or by physically taking them to the polls between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. For more information about these options, visit scvotes.org.